Isn't it great to know that we love a God and a God loves us, that when we don't think there's a way, he makes a way for us. Amen? Amen. He makes a way for us. I'm so excited that you're here with us this morning. And one of our core values uh, here at Warehouse Church is we love to celebrate stories. We love to celebrate God's big story, what the God's big story that he's writing. But we also love to celebrate the little stories that God's writing in our lives. And I just wanted to share a couple of them with you today. I love celebrating stories. Um, so one of our mission partners is here today, CJ from Crossroads Missions. And uh, so we're always glad to see CJ. And I wanted to celebrate what Crossroads Missions has done this summer. They've already uh, partnered with and helped out eight families, eight to 10 families. And then they've also a couple communities. And so so we want to say well done, and we're so excited for you, and we continue to pray for you and support you, and we're so glad to have you as our ministry partner. So can we give Crossroads Missions just a big hand? So uh, it's so good to have you with us, and, uh, and we love, love what you're doing. Um, also, uh, we've been, many of you have been praying for my wife. She's been looking for a job and has been struggling. And then uh, yesterday, uh, her phone rang as she was on her way to Crossville, Tennessee. And one of the principals of the schools that she was hoping to uh, get a job at uh, invited her to come and be on staff. So we're excited about that. And so she has a job. And uh, so y'all don't have to uh, listen to her say, do you know anyone that has a job? You know, you don't have to hear that anymore because uh, she has a job. So we're so excited that God has provided for us. And, uh, and I knew he would. And, uh, and he's just great like that. And so uh, it is so good, though, to have everyone with you, everyone here with us today in person. Those of you that are watching online, we're always excited to have you as well. And I just wanted to say uh, one real quick thing, and that is thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Warehouse family. And uh, we love uh, that you are a part of our house, and, uh, and we get to share and do life with you. And so today we are in week three. Week three of this message series that we've been in on Elijah, who's an Old Testament prophet. Um, not to be confused with Elijah, uh, but, uh, but Elijah. And, uh, and if you were here the first week, we talked about burning some plows. And so you see this plow up here on the stage. Uh, a few of you are wondering when we're going to light it on fire. We're not going to do that. Fire marshal wouldn't let us. Thought about it, but not going to do it. And, uh, but we burned some plows, and we burned some things in our lives that are keeping us from having a ridiculous faith. And week two, or last week, we started talking about digging ditches. And we said that God can provide, God can bring the water, but sometimes he calls us to dig some ditches. He calls us to meet, us ha- to meet him halfway and to do some things. And, uh, and we talked about how so many, often we just sit on our couch and we're like, God, help me, help me, help me, bless me, bless me, bless me, rescue, rescue, rescue me, save me, save me, save me. But we don't ever get up and meet him halfway. And so we talked about that last week. So if you've missed any of those two, I encourage you to go online and listen to them. Uh, they're just really great messages. And so, my, and so this morning, we're going to grab some jars together. We're going to grab some of these jars, and we're going to talk about uh, what God uh, does to Elijah through the use of some jars. And so, uh, so hold on to your seats, because today's going to be great. And my prayer is this, and it's every week, my prayer is that this message will speak to you, uh, will speak to someone. But today, uh, my prayer is especially for those of you who might be feeling overwhelmed. Uh, maybe you feel like life has gotten uh, a little out of control. Maybe you're feeling like, um, like too much is going on in your world, or you're in need right now, you have a huge need. Or maybe you're just like, I just don't have enough energy or enough time. And my prayer is that this message would speak to you today, that it would encourage you, that it would build your faith, that it would minister to you uh, in your greatest time of need. And so uh, I don't want to waste any more time. I want to jump in. 
<coughs> excuse me, but let's pray before we do that. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that you didn't leave us on this earth to figure it out for ourselves, but God, you gave us your word to help lead us and guide us in life. And Lord, so I pray today that you would, uh, maybe you would soften our, our hearts, that you would open our ears and, you would, um, and you, you would open our eyes and unplug our ears so that we could hear, see, and know exactly what it is that you have for us today. We love you, Lord. Uh, thanks for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray, amen. So I don't want to waste any more time. I want you to jump into 2 Kings with me. So if you have your Bibles, 2 Kings is where you want to go, Old Testament. Uh, if you have your Bible app, go ahead and turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to look at the first two verses together, first of all, and see how our story begins today in the life of Elijah. And so here's how it begins in verse 1. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know, Elijah, that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. And Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Now, just in these two verses alone, there is so much stuff going on here, and there's so much to unpack, and so I want to take a few minutes and unpack it for you, and the first thing that you'll notice is that there's a woman, she's a widow, her husband's died, her husband was a, uh, a prophet, and we don't know her name. We don't know the widow's name, it doesn't tell us what her name was, and so we don't know who she is, but many biblical scholars and Jewish tradition believe that she was the wife of the prophet Obadiah. And uh, if you know anything about Obadiah, and, and if that is the case, if she's actually the wife of Obadiah, we know that, um, know that, that she's in financial need for good reason, because Obadiah was known for protecting and for providing for 50 other prophets. Like Obadiah took it upon himself. He was a shepherd to these 50 other prophets. He would provide for them. He'd provide food for them. He'd provide uh, care for them. And, uh, and so it would have taken all of his resources, all of his financial resources to meet the needs of these other prophets. And it would also, it wouldn't be uncommon in those days for a prophet's family to be financially struggling. Because here's the reality, they would spend the majority of their lives on the run, right? Like a prophet, your job was to come in and to give the bad news to a community. So you would come in and you would say what, God, what was on God's heart, and often it wasn't good because often the people were ignoring God, and so the prophet would come and tell bad news, and then the people would run them out of town. And so they were always living life on the lamb, or they were always living life on the run, trying to survive one community after another. And so it wouldn't be a surprise for this prophet to be financially struggling. And so we've got a widow who probably is somewhere in her early 30s, and she just lost her husband, and now she has no chance at meaningful employment, because if you were a woman in that culture, you were unemployable. Unless you would do unmentionable things, you, there was no chance of you making money. And so uh, why don't somebody just say, she's in real trouble. Just say it with me. She's in real trouble. And so she can't pay the bills. And then a creditor is coming to take her boys uh, because the law said if you can't pay your debts, so she's got some debts. If you can't pay them, then they can take your sons as slaves. And so not only has she lost her husband, not only is she broke, but now she is living in fear that her creditor is going to come and take her sons and sell them into slavery. And so this widow is in a pretty bad spot, and, and she probably has no hope. 
And I would say it probably doesn't get any worse than this. Like there's not, uh, there, I'm sure there are, but it just doesn't seem like there is a worse case scenario than the one that she finds herself in right now. And this is something that I always try and remember. Like I always try and remember this story when I'm looking at my life and uh, when I face life's smaller uh, problems. Like isn't it amazing? I don't know about you, but I find it amazing uh, that we can get how riled up we can get about things that are really no big deal. Like we get all worked up about things that are really tiny, teeny, tiny, small uh, problems. Like for example, if you get riled up because your GPS on your iPhone took you to the wrong place again, that's really an entry level problem. Like that's really not anything to get all riled up about. Or maybe if you're at the restaurant and you're upset because they put too much dressing on your salad and you get all worked up and riled up, and you're like, I'm not leaving her a tip. Uh, you know what? That's really an entry-level problem. It's not a big deal. Or maybe you're devastated because you like posted this really amazing picture on your Instagram and you got like seven likes and nobody hashtagged you and said, you're so beautiful, I can hardly stand it. I mean, and you get all upset about it and worked up and your life is over. Like that's really an entry-level problem. And so while many of us have entry-level problems, the reality is we've also got some graduate-level problems, right? Like we got some big-time problems. We got some real needs in our lives. Like maybe your marriage is barely hanging on and you don't know if you're going to make it or not. Like that's a, that's a huge problem. That's a graduate-level problem. Or, or someone, maybe someone you loved, right? Like they betrayed you and, and you, you thought you knew what you had, but now you're questioning what you have because they stabbed you in the back and you don't know anymore. And that's like a graduate-level problem. Or maybe you've got a kid and maybe they're like going down the wrong road and they're going the wrong way and they're making one bad decision after another and, and, and they're going to end up in a place that they don't want to be and you're mature enough to see that and to know that and it's killing you inside and you're in agony because you're watching someone you love make one poor decision after another and there's nothing you can do about it. And some of you, maybe you're in like a financial struggle. Maybe you're in a financial situation where you don't know how you're going to dig yourself out of it. Like you've dug yourself into this thing and you're not sure how you're going to get out of it. And there is so much stress. Like you're losing sleep at night over how you're going to pay the bills. You, you're trying to figure out what other jobs you can find. You're trying to figure out what side hustle you can do. And, and you're stressed out and you've got a graduate level problem. And let me just say, if you're in need today, you're in the right place. If you're in need today, because I want to give you the key thought for this message. And, and I believe, I believe that God is going to drive into your spirit and build your faith through this message, if you'll listen and you'll let him. And here's the, here's the big message for this morning. And it's up on the screen. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover God is what you really need. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is all you really need. So let's unpack our story and, uh, and see how, let this point come to life for us in the life of Elijah. And uh, so this woman, this widow, she's in significant need, and she expresses her need to the prophet uh, Elijah. And what does he do? 
First, let me just tell you what he doesn't do. She, she tells about her need. She says, listen, my, my husband's uh, dead. You know how he revered God. You know how he served the Lord. Uh, we don't have two nickels to rub together. And now my sons are going to be sold into slavery. And, and here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't blow her off. He doesn't say, ah, oh, God will provide. No big deal. He doesn't say, I'm so sorry. I'll be thinking about you and then go on his way. Like, that drives me nuts. I, I, I think it's funny when people say that. Like, if I share a struggle with someone or if I'm hurting, um, the last thing I want you to do is tell me that you'll be thinking about me. Like, what does that mean even? Like, you're going to be home and thinking, oh, look at Rick. He's in misery. Like, oh, that's, that's too bad. Oh, oh, I'm thinking about him, though. Like, don't think about me. Either pray for me or do something significant, right? Like, don't just think about me. Um, do something about it. And so that's exactly what Elijah does. He makes himself available for this widow. And you see that in verse 2. He replied to her. And what did he say? He said five really important words. He said this. He asked her a question. He said, hey, how can I help you? How can I help you? Like, you want to make a difference in the world? You want to be filled with joy? Then start, I would encourage you to start every day when you wake up and before your feet hit the ground, like sit on the edge of your bed and just say these words. Just say, hey, God, I want you to know that I am available for you today. Like I am willing to be used by you. Like there is somebody that is in need. Let me know. Like I may not be able to meet the need, but I'll definitely find a way to help them out. I just wanted you to know, God, that I'm available to you. Like I imagine that's how Elijah like started every day. Like he may have started with some prayers, but at the end of his prayer, he probably said, hey, God, I just want you to know that I'm available today. Like I, I am open and willing to be used by you in any way that you see fit. And that's exactly what he did when he asked the widow, how can I help you? Like, like for you, I, I want you to be used by God. I want you to be willing and open to be used by God. Like if you're at the office and someone says, I've got a problem, or they say, i got a migraine headache, or my husband is driving me crazy, or my kid is going off the deep end, I want you to be able to look at them and say, well, how can I help you? Like what can I do? How can I help you? And make yourself available to them just as Jesus has done for you. And just look at them and with complete honesty say, how can I help you? And then try and meet the need. And then Elijah, after he asks how he can help her, he says something that's very profound. Like he respects her dignity when he says this and he says, tell me what you have in your house. Tell me what you have in your house. And I love this because he doesn't say to her, he doesn't say, Elijah, I'm here today to save the day. Like, he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, I've got all the answers. Let me fix you. He doesn't do that. He asks her, he says, uh, let's start with what you have and then let God meet your needs through what you already have. And I love that because so many times we as uh, Westerners, we'll go on mission trips and we may go to another place in, in the country or we may go out of the country and we bring our box of tricks with us, right? And we show up in this, this village or we show up in this community and we're like, here we are, we're here to fix all your problems. We got all you need right here. And we're like, we, we have all the answers. And that doesn't give dignity to the people on the other end. 
Like instead, why don't we go into these communities, into these villages and say, hey, let's get to know one another. How can I help you? And that's what I love about Crossroads Missions because I love that you guys are in the community and you've been in the community and you're building relationships in Maytown and beyond. And, and you're not just showing up and saying, here, we got all the answers. Here's our box of tricks. But you're like, let's do life together. Let's figure it out. What do you already have and how can we help you make it better? And so that's exactly what Elijah does. And, and the widow, she replies, and here's what she says. She says, your servant has nothing at all. And I think, isn't it interesting that when you're hurting or even when you're lacking, that all you can see is what you don't have? That the only thing that you can see in front of you is the thing that you're lacking. And you miss all the blessings of the things that you do have. And that's what happens to us. Like when we're hurting or when we're depressed or when we're, we're lacking something, that's all we focus on. That's all we can put our attention to is that thing that's missing. And when we get down and we're depressed and we become consumed with what we don't have, we say things like, I don't have enough money so I can never be happy or I don't have a spouse so I can never really have a meaningful life or I don't have a job so I can't provide and I don't have what I want so life doesn't matter. Like I've known ladies, well not personally, but I've heard of ladies that, and maybe you know one, who walk into a closet, right? They walk into a closet with clothes everywhere and what do they do? They say, I don't have a darn thing to wear, right? And, 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 uh, and so they say that and then you're like, wait a minute, have you looked around? Like you got enough clothes here to clothe an entire African village, and you're saying you don't have enough to wear because all we focus on is the things that we don't have. I'm just picking on you, ladies. I'm not uh, really. It's, it's okay. Like, don't send me hate mail that you don't, I don't like ladies. That's not it at all. Um, but so, so it's funny, though, how when you're in need, that all you focus on is what you don't have. And this is exactly where this poor woman was. This is exactly where she is. She's lost everything. And she, all she sees is what she doesn't have. And what do you do when you don't have much? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. And so now everybody say, I can do that with God's help. Say that. I can do that. with. Yeah. In verse 2, Elijah says, what do you have in your house? And she says, your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. She's like, first she's like, I got nothing. She's like, oh yeah, I do have a small jar of olive oil. I do have that, but that's it. That's all I have, just this one little thing. And you might say, well, what good is a small jar of olive oil going to do? Well, if you didn't know, olive oil actually is incredibly valuable in this time. And because it was very rare and it had tons of important uses, practical uses. Like not only did you uh, cook with olive oil, which many of us do, not only did you cook with it, but olive oil would also keep the lamps burning at night. So when it was dark, you'd fill them up, the lamps up and burn the olive oil. It was also used as a skin moisturizer because they didn't have um, bath and body works back then. So you used olive oil. Um, it, it would keep uh, stuff from rusting. So like the plow, that is made of metal. It would keep the iron from rusting. You would, you would bathe it basically in olive oil. Uh, it was also an offering to God. 
Uh, olive oil was something that was used to anoint people in religious services. I mean, these are just a few of the many, 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 many uses of olive oil. And olive oil was valuable, and it was expensive. But she, the widow, didn't have a lot. She only had a little olive oil. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God. We serve a God who specializes in doing a lot with a little. That we love, our God loves us, and we love him, and he is a God that specializes. Like, it's his specialty. It's what he does and taking a little and making a lot. I mean, remember the boy with the snack lunch that fed the thousands that we talked about last week? I mean, Jesus was teaching, and at the end of the lesson, the Bible says people were hungry, and people were hungry because, y'all, Jesus didn't talk for 25 minutes. Like, Jesus, when he taught, it was like an all-day event. So y'all be thankful. I'm like 25 minutes. Jesus was here. You'd be here all day. And they were hungry, and the disciples were like, How are we going to feed all these people like Jesus? There are hungry people out there, and Olive Garden isn't around, and and, and there's no no Red Robin to go to, and there's no Billy Ray's, and there's nothing. How are we going to feed them? They're like, we don't have enough food, and that's all they could talk about is what they didn't have. We don't have enough food. I don't have enough food. You don't have enough food. We couldn't even buy enough food. And then there's this little boy that comes up, and I imagine the little boy saying, I don't have a lot like tugging on Jesus' robe. Mister, I don't have a lot, but I have a little, and you're welcome to it. Like I have five loaves and two fishes, and you're welcome to it. And in the hands of Jesus, a little, a snack lunch becomes a lot as they fed 5,000 people with the little fishes and loaves of bread. And the Bible says that they had leftovers. They had leftovers because we serve a God who can do a lot with a little. And the Bible's really clear on this because even Jesus said that just with a little faith, just have a little faith, not a lot, just have a little faith, the faith the size of a mustard seed. And you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you will have what you ask for. If you just have a little bit of faith, we serve a God, remember that, who can do a lot with a little. Elijah asked the the widow, what do you have in your house? And notice he didn't ask, what do you want or what do you need? But he asked her, what do you have? And, And so let's stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have Because God has given us everything that we need to do everything he wants us to do. You see, too many people say, too many people say, well, we can't do that because we don't have. But a person with faith says, we can because we don't have. If we we had what we needed, God wouldn't be able to show us what he wants us to see. And that's exactly what God did. Take Warehouse Church, for example. Take this church, this building that we're in. We wouldn't be here today if there wasn't a small group of people that had a ridiculous kind of faith. Like God has taught this church over and over during the past eight years to do a lot with a little instead of giving us what we wanted. That we know that with a little bit of faith, God can do big-sized things. 
And I don't know who this will speak to, but some of you are going to look at what you have and say, I wish I had something else so I could do something more significant with my life. And God's going to say, stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Like some of you are sitting back there and you're like, oh, I'll serve but I'll serve when I retire because then I'll have more time. I just don't have time right now to serve. And God's saying to you, stop waiting for what you want and start serving with what you have. Some of you are sitting there saying, I'll start giving when my finances reach a certain point. Like then I'll start giving and God's like, just take what you have and start using what you have and I'll turn it in to something amazing if you'll just start working with what you have. Just start using what you have. And so we need to learn to start working. Stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. And then the second thought I think that we can learn from this amazing story is this. We're going to offer God what we have and trust him to give us what we need. We're going tr- to offer God what we have and trust him to give us what we need. Watch this come true in verse 3. Elijah said to the, to the widow, she, he said, go around. And ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you, verse 4, and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So here's what's going on. Elijah says, here's what I want you to do. He says, now that I know you got this little jar of oil, right? And so here's what I want you to do with that little jar of oil. I want you to set it down, and I want you to go to your neighbor's. And I want you to get as many empty jars as you possibly can. Just find as many. Just go door to door and say, hey, do you got a jar I can have, one or two? And do that. And so she collects all these jars. And he says, now what I want you to do is I want you to pour, pour the oil into the jars. And as each one of them is filled, put it to one side. And so all you have is a little bit of oil, but if you'll trust God, Elijah's saying, Elijah's saying, if you'll trust God with the little and pour out what you have and then put that jar aside, here's what God will do. God will refill your jar and give you what you need and you can just keep on pouring. And this is ridiculous. It's, a, it's like digging ditches. It's like burning the plow. It's ridiculous request by God but he was going to provide and he wanted to provide for the widow. And when she had the faith to offer what she had, when she had the faith to go door to door and say, hey, I'm collecting jars. Do you have any to spare? I would really could use some jars. Do you have some? And when she brings all those jars home and she takes this little bit of olive oil and she begins to pour them into the jars, that took faith. That took a ridiculous kind of faith that God would give her what she needed. And that's exactly what happens. Look in verse five and six. So she left Elijah and she shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Now I'm not very good at math, but I know that when you pour a little into another jar, there shouldn't be anything left, right? But that's not what happened. She would pour the oil and it would fill up one entire jar and there would still be oil in this jar. She'd set that one aside, bring another empty one, fill it up, put that one aside, bring another one, fill it up, put that one aside, and bring another one. That's what it says. She kept pouring. Verse 6, when all the jars were full, so every one that she collected, every jar is full of oil. She said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. 
You see, as long as there was an empty jar, God would fill it, and when there were no more jars, the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7 says, she went and she told the man of God, she told Elijah, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I mean, isn't that ridiculous to think of? She had a little tiny jar of oil that she was willing to offer in faith, believing that God was going to take a little and do a lot. And she poured and she filled every jar in the house. And when she offered what little she had, God gave her everything that she needed. She just took a little bit of faith. And and it's so ridiculous to think about. God asked her to empty out everything. And she had, and to trust him, and to provide for her, and she really need what she really needed. And that's exactly what God did, because that's how God works. When we show him our faith, he shows us his faithfulness. When you take what you have and you stop waiting for what you want, but you offer what you have, God is willing to do something special. So he told her, go get a bunch of jars. And he didn't say what color. He didn't say what shape. He didn't say what size. He just said, go get a bunch of jars. And the only requirement was that they were empty. He said, go get a bunch of empty jars. He just needed it to be empty. And how, how does that apply to us? Well, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, here's what Paul says. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You see, you and I, we are clay pots. We are clay jars. We are dirt houses. That's what we are. And we have this treasure in us. And that's what God is looking for. God is looking for a few empty jars. He's looking for a few people who are willing to empty themselves out of their self, empty themselves out of their pride and their greed and their own agendas, and to come to God totally empty so that he can fill us with his oil, which has always been a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly you realize when you don't have outwardly what you wanted, It's God that you always and truly needed. And suddenly he's enough. Suddenly God is enough. Like it's, I want this and I need this. But then you realize, but God is really all that I need. He's sufficient in every single way. You see, when you are weak, the Bible promises that he will be strong for us. When you're hurting, the Bible says he'll comfort us. When you're lost, the Bible says he'll lead us. When you're hungry, the Bible says he'll be the bread of life. When you're thirsty, he says he'll be living water for you. When you realize I don't have what I wanted, then suddenly you discover with a little bit of faith that he's all that you ever needed. And someone came in here today and you came in here empty and you came in here and you are lacking and you, are, and you, are, you have a great need and you are going to look to him. And God is going to become everything you need in this moment. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Offer God what you have and trust him. Trust him to give you everything that you need. Because when you don't have what you really want, you will discover that our good God is all that you ever need. So as the worship team comes up, I just want you to remind you that from this story in Elijah's life, 
I want you to remember that God will take a little. He'll take a little, whatever you have to offer, and he'll turn it into a lot. He'll turn it into more than what you could ever need if you'll just have a little bit of faith. Would you pray with me? Father, speak to us today. God, pour out your spirit on us. God, fill us up with your Holy Spirit. God, would you build our faith this morning to a place where we can learn to trust you with everything, with every need, with every desire, with every want. God, there's some people here that they've been waiting for a long time for what they want. And God, you've been just whispering in their ear and saying, hey, why don't you just start with what you have? Just start with what you have. Start with that little bit of faith and see what I can do. Show me that you trust me. Show me that you believe in me and I'll take that little faith and I'll turn it into amazing things. Lord, there's some people here today who have huge needs. Needs that many other people don't even know about. God, they're struggling with an addiction and they're so tired of being addicted. God, they're financially bankrupt and they don't know what they're gonna do. Father, there's some people here that have been praying for a husband or a wife for a really long time. Father, there's some people here that are experiencing loneliness. Lord, they need you. And they've been waiting for a special moment. And Lord, you just saying, just trust me. Just have faith that I'm with you. That I'll be your rock. I'll be your comforter. I'll be your shelter. I'll be your rescuer. I'll be whatever it is that you need if you'll just trust me. God, would you help us to understand that you always know what's best for us better than we do? That you know what we need better than we do. And at the end of the day, the only thing we truly need is you. We need you, Lord. So Father, I pray that those people that have great needs today, Lord, they be encouraged that you're there with them and that you will provide for them in ways that they never dreamed of. If they'll just trust you. And then, Lord, there's some people in here today who have never said yes to you. They have no relationship with you at all. Maybe they're checking out church. Father, maybe they're just like trying to figure out who you are. But Lord, maybe today they're recognizing their need for you in their life. So Lord, maybe today is the day that they would say yes. That today would be the day that they would invite you to come and to be their Lord and their Savior. And they might be sitting in their chair and they might be going, I want that, but I don't know how. It's so simple. It's a matter of you just looking to God and saying, God, I want you to be a part of my life. I don't want you to just be a part of my life. I want you to be my life. And you invite Jesus in and you say something like, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I've tried to live life on my own. I've made a mess of my own life. God, would you come and would you forgive me of my sins? Would you forgive me of my hangups? Would you forgive me of my, of my junk? Would you rescue me today? 
so that I might live my life for you. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? If you'll just invite Jesus in, he'll come and he'll begin to work in you and begin to shape you and mold you and transform you into the person he always created you to be. So just pray. Just pray to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I invite you to come in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior today. Father, we love you. Thanks for taking the little and making a lot. Thanks for shaping us and molding us into the people we are today. Lord, help us to continue to empty ourselves of our junk and ourselves to make more room for you. In your name we pray. Amen. As our worship team leads us in our closing song, I want to invite you to stand with us and sing. Uh, we want you to know that these are this is our altar area. We'd love for you to come and spend time in prayer if you want to. Uh, our house is your house, so come and make yourself at home up here and pray and spend time with God. And maybe it's time to share some of those needs with the Lord. Maybe it's time to share some faith, little faith. Say, God, I'm trusting you. You're going to take care of this and provide for me. Or maybe it's time for you to come up and give your life to Jesus. And what a beautiful time it would be for you to come up and just say, I say yes to you, Lord. If you want someone to pray with you, just tap them right here on the front row. Just tap me on the shoulder. I'd be honored to come and pray with you. And uh, so you come. But let's sing together um, as we wrap up our time together.